1: Welcome back, everyone. My name is Erin Moniz, and I'm here with my co-host, Blake Dean, and you are listening to New Voices of Mutuality Matters, hosted by CBE International. And friends, we're doing something extra special for this episode, because this month we are excited to feature articles from the winter 2021 issue of Mutuality Magazine. And it just came out. It just, like, it literally just came out, friends. You you should really check us out. Blake, tell us a little bit about... What is Mutuality Magazine? What are we talking about?
0: Yeah, so Mutuality Magazine is the print and digital magazine of CBE International. It offers articles from diverse writers and perspectives who share egalitarian theology and explore its intersection with everyday life. You can get it in print, and you can get it digitally on CBE's website. So we um, got to read it a little bit early, and so we're excited to get to talk about it. And then hopefully, um, you will go to CBE's website under resources, click blog and magazine, and then go read some of the fabulous work that's being done.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We are going to put provide links in the show notes, but by this time, you can either become a subscriber or get a digital copy online. Well, first and foremost, Blake Dean, we need to do watch, read, or listen, which is, you know, my favorite, everyone's favorite, it's right? A,
0: I think, yeah, the fans are roaring about it.
1: This is why they come here. So tell me, uh, what are you watching, reading, or listening?
0: To? Okay, I have two answers as per the usage. Um, my first is really important to me. I am so grateful. I don't know if you know the Porter's Gate mm, group. It's kind of a yes. collective of musicians and artists from various backgrounds and various um denominations, etc. And mm-hmm. they um, craft really beautiful records of worship music for the life of the church, because as you may know, Aaron, there's a lot of bad worship music with bad theology. So Say it ain't so. So they've done, historically, they've done really beautiful records on songs about our neighbors, songs about justice, songs of lament. Very kind much of, needed. Yeah, kind of filling some gaps um within our kind of worship music canon, and they just dropped this holiday season an advent songs record which is i know very important to you and yes, i um i am very tired of ordinary time so excited for advent to be here and excited to have kind of a whole body of work instead of having to like piece together my own kind of advent songs uh, especially special to me is um the song of simeon on this new record so oh I'm really wow i'm going to check that out advent songs by porter's gate the second is i don't know if you know about image journal do you know the image journal no. Okay, Jamie K. Smith is the editor in chief for it. It's the intersection Fabulous. of art and faith and mystery, um, and I think there's there's very few things more Adventy than meditating on what it means um, to be receptive viewers, to be um, listeners to the world around us, and how God is intervening in um, art and displaying Himself. So I love that. I'll have to check both of those. Those out. are the two things. What about you?
1: Well, um. Yes, I love Advent. I'm so glad for this time of year. And but because of some of our Advent practices, we aren't watching, reading, or listening to much. And throw on the fact that we are currently somewhere as this podcast is dropping, we are moving from Georgia to Texas, um, which pretty much sucks the life out of every free moment that we would be watching, reading, or listening to something. But, but Blake Dean, you know I wouldn't leave you hanging for this segment, so I have to plug a new podcast I found that I'm absolutely loving, um, and mostly because. Uh, this is an author. I love that authors are doing podcasts now, but
0: that's more of a I love thing. I they're doing it for their books. Yes,
1: yes. And this is the Being Known Podcast with Kurt Thompson. I love Kurt yes, Thompson. Yes, he wrote Anatomy of the Soul, and he's done Soul of Desire, and like there's some wonder, wonderful books. Yes, such good work. But he has this podcast now, and I've just started getting into it. As you know, I have to always start at the beginning when I start a new podcast and re-listen to all the things. But... I, I'm loving it, and I think it's going to get me through uh, this season and this move, driving halfway across the country and listening to podcasts. I haven't heard about that. I'm very excited to listen. Always happy to But help. you
0: know what else I'm reading?
1: Tell me. Oh, you, you're you going for a third. The Mutuality Magazine. This is unprecedented, people. Oh! <laughs> okay, you got me. You got me. Uh, fair, wow. fair enough, fair enough. That is a brilliant segue, and I, I, I pretty much read I, it.
0: I am. I did. I read... Some some of the articles from it, and I am I have been so grateful for Mutuality Magazine. I'm excited to get to kind of hit the highlights. So we'd love to just kind of walk through some of our favorite things that we saw in it, but Absolutely. also just give an overview of what you can expect. And then, dear listeners, get on your laptops
1: and read this magazine
0: and go read the magazine. Absolutely.
1: So so there's there's one uh, article by um, Katie Christine. And we are so sorry if we butcher any of your names on this. We are just f- people that are phonetically challenged. But she wrote an article called Watershed Moments, reexamining the barriers facing women in the church. And the reason, listeners, you are going to love reading this article is because it unpacks um, how we understand true progress and barriers when it comes to women occupying the these spaces in ministry settings, how sometimes what looks like progress isn't always progress. And she does a really beautiful job um, kind of breaking this down, a line that I'd like to quote here that that I think is fabulous, where she says that research shows that the biggest impediments single women currently face are the ones that operate in disguise. I know, this is one. this is a great one. And she, she also includes data, uh, which we love data, you we know, data, data of women's progress in denominations over the past few decades. So I think readers are really going to to enjoy that particular article.
0: And I loved, David Hart wrote an article uh, yes. that was kind of like hitting the a topic which is really near and dear to me for some obvious reasons, which is men need to talk about the difficulties women face. Mm-hmm. And he tells this story, which um, I think when read, one way could be comic and in another way could be tragic about sitting in, um, I think like a 75 minute or some long men's ministry meeting of some sort mm-hmm. um, and he noticed the like lack of discussing women or um, women's issues, even though masculinity was being discussed, even though like the roles, uh, like the adjectives for masculinity, mm-hmm. what does it mean? Provider, protector, etc. cetera. Um, and he noticed this lack. And then when he brought that to the attention of um, whomever was in charge um, or of note, the response was, well, this is a men's group. Um, and so I'm not going to spoil the rest of the article, but I think you should read it, especially for our male listeners. Absolutely, um, Something that I am very compelled by in his reflections, but also um, have have been thinking on for a couple of years now is how we can't actually talk about masculinity or femininity without the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we do, it tends to lead towards deeper, stereotypes that are unhelpful. So I really appreciated David yeah. Hart's article.
1: Yes, absolutely. I second that very much. I think we can't talk enough about those kind of perspectives. Agreed. Um, now, the, the big article in this uh, winter issue is actually an interview, and it really takes us back to the beginnings of CBE. This is seven egalitarian leaders reflect on the movement's past present and future. And friends, there is so much in this. I'm just going to give you the highlights um, so so in hopes that it wets your appetite to go and read it. But essentially, um, CBE's flagship document, which is called Men, Women, and Biblical Equality, um, presents the biblical rationale for gender equality as well as its practical applications in the family and church community. Since its publication in 1989, <laughs> friends, we're not going to tell you how old we were or Maybe we're not. I 90, was not alive. zero years old in nineteen eighty-nine. This statement has been translated actually into more than thirty languages, which is pretty astounding. And so, this is an interview with two of the original framers and five of the original signatories. And awesome. and, and and some people um, have gone on to be with the Lord. And so, just the fact that we have this early group that began um, CBE and began this uh, this movement and this document, I think, is is profound. And so, they talk about the factors that led to crafting the document, and it was really prompted by the Danvers Statement. Yep. And it, friends, if you are listening to this podcast and you love gender theology and you love CBE, but you are not familiar with the Danvers Statement, this is one of those pieces. We could do a whole other podcast just about the Danvers Statement, but it was a statement put out by, I think, what either was or what eventually became the Council for Biblical um Womanhood and manhood, manhood and womanhood. Forgot, got to put them in first there. Um, <laughs> but that this was a statement that prompted this group to get together and create a counter statement yeah. um, to represent evangelicals, so that the Danforth statement wasn't the only one representing evangelicals. So it's really it's really compelling. And so this article talks with this group that helped frame and who signed this uh, this counter document, and uh, they ask we they talk about like progress, like how things have changed since 1989 or not changed. And, and, you know, change is slow, but it's happening. And one of the, one of the folks in the article talks about the fact that we just have to keep repeating, repeating, repeating this uh, truth in the churches to see change happen, even if it happens slow. They talk about um, advice for the next generation being us picking up the torch, moving on with uh, this, this uh, work. Um, they talk about the importance of good scholarship and biblical centrality to the discussion of gender theology and why that's important. And I find their their language really helpful in that section. And then they also talk about how to be in dialogue with complementarians.
0: I love that article. I highly recommend it. And in this um, edition of the Mutuality Magazine, you can also look forward to some book reviews. And it's quite a list of book reviews, if you'll bear Indeed. with me covering Defiant, what the women of Exodus teach us about freedom, covering Amy Bird's recovering from biblical manhood and womanhood, mm. Kristen Kobe Dume's Jesus and John Wayne, William Witt's Icons of Christ, Kevin Giles' The Headship of Men and Abuse of Women, Are They Related in Any Way, um, The Great Sex Rescue, The Lies You've Been Taught and How to Recover, what God Intended, and The Making of Biblical Womanhood by Beth Allison Barr. So a plethora oh my gosh. of book reviews.
1: What an exceptional list. And and I see these, and of course, Icons of Christ. We got to interview Dr. Witt um, in season two of this podcast in early days before we got connected with CBE, and we would love to send you back to that yeah. to to hear um, him talk about the book that was just prior to its coming out. But, oh gosh, these other books, I mean, if, if you're on social media or Twitter or looking at religious news in any way, these are books that you have heard about. These are and the I'm really, I'm really interested in reading reviews, especially about some of the books I haven't gotten to yet.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. But that's not all that is in this magazine. We Correct. have w- another article that is there, but we have saved it to the end because we have the good fortune and pleasure to get to speak with its author. The article is a reflection on the state of women's equality in the Black Baptist Church context.
1: That's right. Uh, Deirdre Janice Austin is currently studying for her MDiv at Candler School of Theology. Her research interests include the Black Church and the intersections of faith, race, justice, and healing. And she is committed to employing a radical love ethic in working towards healing and wholeness through good theology, research, direct action, and policy. And uh, you can actually learn more about her at her website, which we will put in the show notes. So listeners, sit back and enjoy this interview with Deirdre Janice Austin. Well, welcome, everyone. We are so excited and honored to be with one of the authors and contributors hey. to this winter's issue. And... Um, we would first just want to let people know your article is titled A Reflection on the State of Women's Equality in the Black Baptist Church Context, and but this is not your first article with CBE. So this is in this issue, but you've actually done a handful of articles in the past. So will you tell us, what was your inspiration for this one? What was, what was working on your heart and in your life that prompted you to write this article?
2: That's a good question. Um, I was actually invited to write this article. So um, the articles I've written before are on one was that what it was about, but a similar themes. So the first article or the last article, I think that was in the magazine, was on my experience as a seminarian and I guess a letter to men about ways that they could support women in ministry. And my next one was on um, Dr. Prathia Hall. So black Baptist woman minister, who I guess navigated some of the same context and that she was able to be the pastor at her father's church, but she also applied to other positions and was never called back for those other positions. So even recognizing some of her challenges as a black woman in ministry and basically learning about this history, learning about this context and thinking through, okay, where am I going after seminary? How do I understand my own call, my own law, role, even amid some of the, the challenges as a woman in ministry.
0: Yeah, in your article, and you've already kind of alluded to it, but in your article, you anchor your discussion in Those in those three contexts, being Baptist, being Black, and being female. In your opinion, why is it important? Kind of just a really general question why is it important to recognize context when talking about maybe some like hot topic, egalitarian topics like ordination or um, pastoral roles?
2: Yes, I think a lot varies by context. So I learned a lot about context as a seminarian. At a Methodist university, and I'm even now in I'm in my my Baptist history class. So we're going through the history and all of the different denominations and branches of Baptists, and recognizing that depending on your context, you will get a variety of opinions around yeah. women in ministry. Also, recognizing that um, the not as the Black Baptist church specifically isn't in the news as much, so not as many people are familiar with it. And when people hear Baptists, like people tend to think Southern Baptists. So being able to like recognize that there are many denominations and many contexts. And even within like the Black Baptist church, there are, well, your experience will vary depending on the church that you're in. So recognizing there's a lot of variety and a spectrum of experiences.
1: Yes, I, I appreciate that about your writing in your article because um, uh, so many of us, first of all, are are sort of disconnected from our denominational the, the influences in our childhood and our denominational upbringing. Even if we have one, or um, well, I've got a whole soapbox about how non-denom is a denomination, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but but getting that church history context and getting that denominational context because even the the particularities of different factions and denominations really yes. gives. Different light sheds different light on these topics as we address them. So I think people are really going to enjoy that about your article because you do that well. You sort of you sort of parse that for us and explain a little bit about your particular context and in what you mean by Baptist and your experience as a woman. So um, so appreciate that. Um, so in in thinking about. Um, just, just your article and, and the conclusions you come to. What are you hoping people will glean? What is something you're like? I want listeners to get this when they finish reading my article.
2: That is a good question. Um, I want people to leave, like, sitting in this tension, and recognizing that there there's room for growth as it relates to women's equality within the church. And like, that's something that I I lean into this idea of lament. That's something that we can lament. And then also recognize that there are these opportunities for hope. So like the situation isn't hopeless, but then also how do we lean into these opportunities for hope? And how do we promote change within our institutions? So I go back and forth, depending on where you end up. I feel like seminaries like this negotiation of, Am I within the institution? Can I do the work that I want to do? Do I like leave the institution completely? So, being able to sit with this tension of, okay, maybe the institution, maybe the church, the Black Baptist church, churches are redeemable, and maybe we can bring about some of these changes. So, I like to lean into the change can happen.
0: Yeah, that's a beautiful. That's a a beautiful, beautiful thought. I absolutely. Um, something I really thought was interesting and what i think was really deeply compelling to me about your article was in egalitarian spaces we often talk about kind of like what you were talking about we we often talk about like kind of the low hanging fruit like the peop- like the the things that capture our imagination and often rightly so are the places that don't affirm women's leadership or don't affirm women's ordination and how do we talk to complementarians or whatever like whatever those kind of hot topic conversations are, but for you, in your context, like, you've seen female, I think you say in the article, I've never heard, like, it be said from the pulpit that women shouldn't preach, and I've heard women preach, and yet there still seems to be some more, um, if I can say, insidious barriers um, to, like, women's leadership, and even in a context that is both theologically and hermeneutically Quote unquote affirming of women's calling. So I wonder, um, and you diagnose it a little bit in your article, but even if you want to expand outside what you wrote, could you diagnose a little bit for what you think those factors or the insidiousness that kind of still keeps women barred for a barrier to entry?
2: Yes. We talk about, I'm currently in a feminist and womanist spirituality in worship course, and we talk about this a lot as it relates to. How far, how far do we want to go? So, okay, it's one thing to have women in leadership, but if they're still serving as, and there are women who are called to women's ministry and children's ministry. But also if those are the only positions that women are serving in, then okay, have we really addressed the patriarchy patriarchy at the heart of things? Um, Are there barriers to women being in senior Pastor and senior leadership position. When the women are in the senior pastor and senior leadership positions, what's the understanding within the congregation? Are they able to lead as they like to lead? So, really addressing, I guess, different levels of this patriarchal structure. So some of it may be within the denomination, some of it may be within the individual church. Some of it may be within even the theology and the things we're teaching on and how we understand the Bible. So there's a lot of different layers that need to be addressed.
0: Thank you.
1: Yeah, no. This y'all are going to love this article. Um, we are so so glad to have Johnny's um, on the podcast with us today. And we just, I just have one more question for you um, as we close out. So I was on, I was on your website, which we're going to plug. It's going to be in the show <laughs> notes. Um, I was on your website and I saw in in your your section about you. Um, I read the sentence that your professional goal is to enter a career at the intersections of ministry, nonprofit work, academia, and politics that will allow you to bring healing through theology and direct action and policy. Mm. I awesome. What a sentence. I just love this. So what I want to know is <laughs> what is next for you? How can our listeners uh, support yeah. and follow your work?
2: That is a great question. All of that is more as aspirational. I am working towards that. So what's next for me? I guess people can find, find me on the website. People can follow me on social media at Deirdre Johnny's, but a lot of it is um, negotiating and it'll, a lot of it would depend on what opportunities are available. But I am currently applying to PhD programs in religion and anthropology. So hoping to do work. Uh, My focus area is Black women and healing. So hoping to do work around Black women and healing and looking specifically around how we've come to understand bodies in the church. And then also drawing on like embodied psychology and somatics and dance, my own. I do liturgical dancing, so dance in a religious context, dance in an African-American context and bringing all of these together as like, we know that people are facing trauma. From religious trauma, pandemic trauma, personal trauma, racial trauma, how can we address trauma? Doing the research, um, rooting it in the community, so hoping to do interviews with people and hoping that the research I do can inform how I understand the policies that are necessary in society and the church, and then hoping that my research can inform the work that is done within the church.
1: Yes. Yes. And amen. Friends in academia, listening to this, snatch her up. This this girl needs to be in your program today. And we are excited. We are excited for the work you're doing. All of those topics are so important and so needed. And we just need more and more content.
0: Um, I also love how you were like, "Oh, I don't know. That's a good question." And then went on to give like a beautiful, <laughs> a fantastic, answer. comprehensive <laughs> like succinct yet rich answer so I that was my favorite part which is like oh I don't know but also but also the the
2: statements of purpose have really challenged me to be like okay you have to articulate what it is that you want to do and why you're going to grad school and like what's your vision for the future
0: and if that's a hint at your application yes well done
1: yes you can see that you have been doing the work and we are excited for you well Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today. We want to continue to point you, as we have many times in this episode, towards the article, the winter uh, 2021 issue of Mutuality Magazine. So first, be sure to go visit uh, her website Deidre Janice Austin did I say that correctly? Deidre yes. and go to uh, cbeinternational.org uh, to subscribe to Mutuality Magazine and to access a digital copy of this issue and we want to thank all of our listeners for joining us today if you enjoyed this episode be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can hear weekly from our co-hosts and other themes as we develop content on gender theology for the gospel empowerment of men and women and we would like to thank Landon our support tech and the team at CBE International that makes this podcast possible. I am Erin Monis with my co-host Blake Dean. We are Mutuality Matters. Thanks for listening. Hey, Blake Dean. Hey. So we all know that CBE creates all kinds of resources that are helpful on so many levels, but did you know that right now they are about to launch a new resource to help you and your faith community create safe spaces?
0: No. Is it written for pastors or Christian leaders in faith communities?
1: Yes, and it is called Created to Thrive, Cultivating Abuse-Free Faith Communities, and it brings together the voices of experts and faith leaders for a much-needed conversation about abuse.
0: Wait, can... Can I pre-order it? Because if I don't, I'm going to forget.
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. And not only can you pre-order it, but you want to go to the link in the show notes of this episode, or you can go to CBE's website at www.cbeinternational.org. And not only can you pre-order, but you get a bundle of perks, including the Nurturing Women's Equality, a church evaluation tool companion workbook, and access to an invite-only book club with the authors on Facebook. And this is between December 1st
0: and January 1st. Oh, sorry, I have to go. Where are you going? I have to go pre-order the book, of course. Looking for more information about CBE and our mission for biblical equality? Then please visit cbeinternational.org for more information. And please be sure to tune in each week for new episodes here or wherever else you listen to podcasts.